Emily Dickinson once wrote, Nature is a haunted house, but art is a house that tries to be haunted. Many people knew about the Rosenheim Mansion in Los Angeles until Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy created a little series on FX called American Horror Story Murder House back in 2011, which was a story about a house that killed whoever lived within its walls. The show was a hit on FX, creating a huge fandom as people were flocking towards the show's seasons more fans were flocking to the location of the mansion, wanting to see the murder house. And that's where this Holly Weird tale begins. So join us on episode 37 as Holly Weird Paranormal takes a deep dive within the walls of the Rosenheim Mansion as we learn more about the mystery and history of the home. Stay tuned as we talk about the nightmare real estate that the current owners are going through with our interview with their lawyer, Doug Vanderpool definitely don't want to miss this but we ask the biggest question of all what's worse dealing with the living or dealing with the dead Side note, please pardon the sound quality with our interview with Doug Vanderpool. We are pair nerds and true crime enthusiasts, not sound engineers, so we do our very best to improve the sound quality of our FaceTime interviews. Now, let's get Holly Weird. It's about that time, guys. Mm. Yes. We're going to talk about... Some- Cinnamon rolls. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you mean... Cinnamon rolls from Cinnabon. Oh God, so good. Oh my gosh, I'm only gonna eat half of one. Never, never. never That's a life. myth. No. <laughs> There's certain things that I'm trying to process right now, guys. I'm trying to process watching Homecoming on Netflix oh with my Beyonce. God. I've seen it five times. <laughs> I cried. Yeah. I just keep Each putting it like time. Mm, maybe I'll just like put it on again. <laughs> it's so good. It's so. I just love good. seeing her boots. I'm like, I want to make boots like that. I mean. Not that she needs my approval, but, like, everything she does is amazing. It is. Like, I've never... It's like, I can't ever imagine... She's famous enough. Yeah. And, like, powerful enough and, like, established enough that she... If she just wanted to stand in front of a wind machine and let, like, her hair blow... Yeah. And, like, sing... Like, there are other performers, cough, cough, Mariah Carey... Yeah. Who do that. And it's, like, fine. She's, you know, she was famous in the 90s, so, like, whatever. But, like, with Beyonce, there's never, like, a let up from the gas pedal. She's still, you can't look away from her. She's the best singer. She's When she dances in a row full of professional dancers and right. she's still the best one to look at, like, that's that's special. It's so good. If you haven't seen it, turn this off turn immediately. And do it. I feel like if she were to go into a haunted house and sing and dance in the house, mm. this house would be clear. Yeah. 
Beyonce. Uh, she's just so good. Yeah, she's so good. I'm she's all- like my one remaining like celebrity freak out. Like, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about this before, but when you live, especially when you live in Hollywood, but anywhere in L.A., mm-hmm. you sort of lose your star fuckery pretty quickly. Yeah. At least I did. I think we've talked about this. But it's just like, they're kind of always in your way. Their premieres are like blocking traffic. Exactly. The Oscars are a hellacious nightmare. But if I saw Beyonce, I would lose my shit. Like, I still would full-on fangirl. There's just yeah. no... Mm-hmm. There's no chill about that. Yeah. A lot of us fangirls will, you know, love her to the day we die, especially yeah. into the afterlife. Yeah. If I was a ghost, I would haunt Beyonce. I think she has some way to keep us away. She's exactly. Like, I'm sorry, I'm really busy right now. <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing, I'm still processing Game of Thrones. Sure. Of yes. course. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. Brand. <laughs> I feel look. so. I feel so bad. We had a friend whose mom was in town. And he mm-hmm. was like, we were very judicious with who we like invited to come watch it at our house because oh, really? like I am not trying to have people talk or take bathroom breaks or like speak <laughs> or breathe heavy while uh-huh. I'm watching it because I'm crazy. Um, he's like, can my mom come? She's in town. I was like, okay, but I'm not trying to be mean to someone's mother. So like. She needs to understand that, like, this is not the time for no. her to, like, ask questions no. or, like, anything. And she was fine. She was yeah. great. And she's so sweet. I love her. But I was just like, I don't want to be mean to someone's mom, but I will be. Like, what are the name of the dragons? Yeah. Get out. What's the name of the dragons? Get out. I told my one friend, I said, that's strike two. If you get strike three, you're not invited. The first week, he had, like, had to use the bathroom. And oh, then no. literally, there were... 10 seconds left of the episode. So he came back from using the bathroom. He was like, I'm so sorry. I have to go. Came back. Final seconds. And I was like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> and then the second week, they were late. I was like, that's two. No, that's two. Strike three, you're out. We'll see how they do this weekend. They can't do it during the battle of Winterfell. No. no. There will be none of that. I will be making a fortress out of my blankets and pillows. Smart. Very yeah, smart. Very smart. Phone off on it or air- airplane mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done. Love. Last then a thing I'm processing mm-hmm. um, is that uh, we have a listener. Her name is Kim. And <laughs> That's the whole story. We have one listener. <laughs> we have one listener. <laughs> Her name is Kim. Hey, girl. Done. <laughs> this episode just just as a just an, as an opener is dedicated to her. Hi. Yes, because she's been so amazing. Yes. We've been messaging her back and forth on Facebook, and we're obsessed with her and her hubby, who, by the way, is the lawyer handling this case that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. guys. And if you haven't been jumping on social media, following us on Twitter and Instagram, then we can wait. <laughs> <clears throat> we're waiting. Does it, how long does it take to I follow? So, <laughs> Well, I always have to re-download Twitter because I hate it. <laughs> so every time I'm like, I'll do something on Twitter, I have to You're wait like, while it re-downloads from the cloud. This is taking too long. It's only yeah. been five seconds. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool of me. I'm very tech savvy. <laughs> Well, guys, we are going to do a big and very interesting, yet spooky episode, of course, because mm-hmm. you know how we do. We're mm-hmm. going to be doing episode 37, guys, of the Rosenheim Mansion, a.k.a. the American Horror mm-hmm. Story House, Ooh. Murder House. Yes. Yeah, so I know some of y'all got really excited when we posted on Instagram that we were going to do this episode and talk about this house and I thought all right we got to do our homework we need to do you know our due diligence and we did and Mm -hmm. it was so funny because we couldn't come up with any ghosts Mm -hmm. it was pretty much like open and shut with like the research for this house Mm -hmm. and then finally we're like wait 
we need to talk to Kim. Mm-hmm. And Kim put us through with her husband, Doug, who is the lawyer mm-hmm. handling the case for um, the current owners of the murder house. And we found out that there's murder house ghosts. Great. Can't wait. Amazing. So, you know how we do, guys. We're going to go into the history and the mystery and even talk a little bit about this show craze. Mm-hmm. What is the meaning of um, super fan or the fan craze? Because that plays a really big role into what we're going to talk about. And what is the real horror that the current owners are going through with this house? And trust me, it, it you know it brings up the question that we even asked our listeners on Instagram who is worse, like the living mm. or the dead? Well, for y'all. <laughs> and in this case, I think it's the living more than the dead. So buck up, guys, because it's going to get very interesting. Yes. We've got a lot of tea. We have the interview with Doug, and we have a lot to cover. So you ready for this? Yes. All right, guys. So how did the Rosenheim Mansion came to be the Rosenheim Mansion? Well, it started with this gentleman, Alfred Rosenheim. So Alfred Rosenheim is a German-American architect who built the house that is used as the murder house in 1902. And after a five-year construction, used it as his own residence. And the house is sited on a sloping tree-studded three-quarter acre lot at 1120 Westchester Place in Country Club Park. And the surrounding neighborhood was known as Billionaire Row in 1908. Sure. That checks out. Billionaire Row now exists in Beverly Hills. And you know how I feel about billionaires. (laughs) Love them. Why can't they adopt us? I mean, here's the thing. That's right. (laughs) Surprise rant that no one saw coming. Can we just, like, light... Let's let's loop back to things that we're processing. Can we just, like, lightly touch on the billions... The millions of dollars that have been raised by billionaires to rebuild Notre Dame. And look, Mm -hmm. far be it from me (laughs) to say that we can't rebuild whatever the hell we want to rebuild. And that, like, people donating money is good. It is good. It's amazing. But, like, (laughs) it just shows that trickle-down economics doesn't fucking work because... There are myriad of problems, not just in America. Like, And here's the thing. One of my least favorite arguments, this is really off topic, and I'm so sorry, but I'm not that sorry, <laughs> is that whenever I would go like overseas, especially to do like missions work or like mm-hmm. relief aid, any of those kinds of things, because I'm a saint, ab, um, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding, uh, people would always say, especially when I was living in Indiana, but we have issues here. And I agree with that, but I think that as like a global community, we should be addressing the issues at a global level as much as humanly possible. Right. So I'm not even trying to say like there are issues in America that we should be dealing with first mm-hmm. before we help like rebuild, but there are issues that are affecting real, genuine humans that we should be addressing before we build a building. That's the part that I have like an issue with. Yeah, like why don't we build more structures there was, for homeless? There were zero veterans. casualties, right? Like yeah. again, I get the significance of the church. Like I too have been there. It mm-hmm. is beautiful. I'm not trying to take it away. Francophiles, like please stay away from me. Like I'm not trying to like come for your church. But when there are like <laughs> people across the globe and the country and our neighborhoods who need our help, and there are billionaires donating money in a matter of hours to completely refinance it. Mm-hmm. That is why I think there shouldn't be billionaires. Rant over. I'm so sorry. 
Let me pick up my dress yeah, and step I know. down from my soapbox. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Everyone's like, we're definitely not going to have a rant this episode. Gotcha. <laughs> Tricked you right there. I'm so sorry. Billionaire realm. Yeah. Yes. So that is, like, yeah, you probably have seen it on billion dollar um, listings yes. on Bravo. Yes. Love. Yeah. It makes me cringe a little, just a tad bit. I, I feel what you feel. Yes. Yeah, no, every, every time I watch that show. Mm-hmm. Every time. It's not large enough. I need, um, I need, you know, eight more rooms. But this is a 13-room mansion. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh, that makes me cringe right Ugh. there. <laughs> Whatever. So, with some of the wealthiest families living in Billionaire Row at the time in 1908, they included the Del Almo family who lived across the street in the west, the Borden family who lived across the street in the east, the Kinney family who lived across the street from um, southeast of Billionaire Row, and yes, that is um, the Abbott Kinney family, Hi. who um, Abbott Kinney designed and built Venice, California, which um, I'm sure if he was alive today would not be happy with it. I mean, there's syringes in the sand, uh, yeah, you it's... know, dirty condoms in the sand. Yeah. I mean, when people go to Venice, I'm like, brace yourself. Mm. Well, when I go to the beach, I'm like, brace yourself. Make sure you're wearing double, you know, double socket on your feet, girl, because you don't want to step in that sink. It depends on what, <laughs> like, if you want to go and see a really slice of life of, like, California, yeah. go to Venice, because you will, you will people watch like you have never people watched before. Oh. If you want to go to, like, a beach Preach. for, like, nature and the ocean, yeah. nope. Go nope. further. Go to Malibu, Malibu. Go to Matador. But Ugh. do not go to Venice. It is... Yeah, it's a different vibe over there, yeah. in my opinion. Well, even the Doheny family lived there. Okay, hey. I know. Hey, Doheny. So, um, if you guys don't know anything about the Doheny family, then listen to episode 35 of the Greystone Mansion. Another haunted mansion at that. So, Rosenheim was noted for designing and building many amusement parks, as many as nine roller coasters. And um, he was one of the most highly respected architects in L.A. at the time. Alfred Feist, or Fast Rosenheim, opened his practice in the city after years of being a successful designer of residential and commercial structures in St. Louis, Missouri. The home's most distinctive exterior features was a bowed and turreted stair hall lighted by nine panels of Tiffany stained glass, each in a different design. The house features extensive Italian brickwork, African oak, teak, walnut, maple, and wood paneling made of Peruvian mahogany. We so fancy. We are very fancy around here. So the oversized living room adorned with tapestries featured a cross beam ceiling and an impressive tile fireplace, one of six in the home. Six. (laughs) Because they got to be extra. Sure. While the dining room used as Ben's office uh, for those American Horror Story fans, Mm. that's what it was, was highlighted with its stunning gold leaf ceiling and antique Japanese motif with delicate peacocks and flowers, paneled walls, and leaded glass cabinets. I wonder if Alfred was a girl, you know what I mean? Because mm. he had some style. Yeah. I think back then in 1908, that was like, wow, Alfred, you went a little, yeah, you're a little extra. Other features of the first level included a dramatic semi-circular library with a pink blood marble fireplace and built-in Tiffany glass leaded doors, windows, book- bookcases, as well as a sunny solarium. Sure, same. Billionaires. Yeah. (laughs) So, Alfred Rosenheim and his family resided in their showplace mansion on Westchester Place for 11 years until they sold it in 1918. The wealthiest man in California 
a colorful mining magnet, A.J. McQuatters. McQuatters, who was the first gay president of the Alvarado Mining and Milling Company in Peral, Chihuahua, Mexico, wanted it to serve as a winter residence and, um, and refuge for the continuous turmoil of the revolution in Mexico, of mm. course. Now, A.J. McQuatters, Pancho Villa, the president of, the Mu- of Mexico, and several of their associates were photographed on many occasions by the Los Angeles Times and several other photographers, while A.J. McQuatters did many business transactions with the Mexican government. A.J. McQuatters purchased 6.9 million acres, 10,000 square miles of land used for mining gold, silver, copper, lead, from the Mexican government in which Pancho Villa was hired as security to ensure things went smoothly, which I'm, I doubt they did. Sure. Yeah. yeah you just, yeah. Around 1930, the estate picked up some Hollywood pedigree when it was leased by actor Edward Everett Horton. He was one of the most popular and prolific performers of his day. Now, Horton was constantly in demand for his masterful portrayals of the pussy overwrought nervous types that were a staple of film comedy throughout the 1930s and 40s. And in choosing Country Club Park as a place of residence, Horton joined a stellar list of other major Hollywood figures such as Colleen Moore, Buster Keaton, Mm. Hal Roach, and Ruth Rowland, who all lived in the district at the time or another. Now, the Westchester Place House served as the actor city's residence while he was working at the studios. Now, by 1932, Horton had given up his lease on the Westchester Place Mansion, and the home was taken over by a Catholic order of nuns called the Sisters of Social Service, and they began operating it as a convent. In 1946, they expanded their operations to include the adjacent Justin C. Rives Mansion at 1130 Westchester Place, which had also been designed by Rosenheim. Mm. And during their long tenure at the combined properties, the sisters had added a large chapel on the grounds in the style that was intended to blend in with the earlier structures. Completed in 1954, the chapel featured similarly colored brick walls and a heavy beamed ceiling soaring over the double height space. In recent years, this ground space has been utilized in much more secular fashion mm. as a recording studio for Planet Earth Records, and the chapel is also used as the attic, wink wink, in American Horror Story. The mansion was badly damaged in the 1994 Northridge earthquake, Mm -hmm. and the Catholic order decided against repair and put the house on the market for $3 million. (laughs) Fearing that it might be torn down, local area residents nominated it as a cultural landmark, so the convent unsuccessfully contested this. Now, in 1997, the Rosenheim Mansion was bought by family members and business partners John Gosh, I think it's Gaucha, and Greta von Steinbauer. Mm. In 1999, the Rosenheim Mansion was decided as a historic and cultural landmark under number 660 by the city of Los Angeles. Also in 1999, John Gotcha and Greta von Steinbauer put the house back on the market. It did not sell, however, and was removed from the real estate market until being relisted recently at $17 million through John Bob, I think it's Bobian. So now the mansion is currently owned by Dr. Ernst R. von Swartz and Angela Oakenfold, who is the ex-wife of DJ Paul Oakenfold. Damn. And we'll go into what they were are currently going through with this house yes. at the moment because oh. Bryce you have the tea on what made this house 
what it is today. Yes. I mean, yeah. And I love mm-hmm. that. I love when the community comes together and like, this should be a landmark. Like, that's always such a sweet little. Yeah. I love when communities rally together. Yeah. Like, this is a historical landmark. Yeah. Don't tear it down. This is an actual piece of history. Yeah. So, like, the house is, like, sort of famous in its own right, which transition. That's right. I had a plan. The whole <laughs> sentence. Um, I love in the interview or the um, director's commentary on the first season of American Horror Story, Ryan Murphy actually talks about this and says, like, the house was the hardest character to cast. Like, we, you know, everybody knows that Connie Britton was, like, the first to sign and Dylan McDermott was, like, the third. Like, they got the cast together very quickly. Mm -hmm. And, like, with Jessica Lange, like, it was so historical for her because she had never done, like, uh, such a long stint on television. So, like, all of that... It's like all these like really big names and like oh wow like what an amazing cast I think it's what's carried the show all these seasons eight nine seasons now and yet in the midst of all that Ryan Murphy's like oh the hardest part to cast was the house and then they found this house so just like a little snippet <laughs> that's right the house is the character it is um so yes the house sort of gains American horror story notoriety. Uh, creators Ryan Murphy and uh, what's his name? Brad Fulchuk, my bad, uh, began working. I know he will. Began working on American horror story actually before they had started on Glee. Oh, wow. Um, Murphy is quoted as saying that he had wanted to do the opposite of what they had previously done when they began working on this series. He said, I went straight from Nick tuck into glee so i was looking to do something challenging and dark and i had always loved as brad had the horror genre so it was just natural for us which i love because even though nip tuck does have some sort of like tense moments yeah it's still pretty like campy glee obviously is camp central it's their style yeah the music everything the acting Mm -hmm. the storyline it all correlates with one another love it so he he just like i love that they were looking to do something different different iconic um so they basically decided that they were going to start working in the horror genre through television and that their main goal in doing so was to create a series where viewers would be afraid they said that they wanted people to be a little bit off balance afterwards which like mission accomplished because most of my nightmares come from american horror story freak show that clown is terrifying (laughs) i literally had like months long nightmares about that clown (laughs) no way even after no spoiler but even after like the reveal regarding the clown even worse you had like nightmares it didn't take it away I still was like I'm still scared like it doesn't matter it's (laughs) still still scary you're still tuning into the next episode oh Oh, always you can't turn away yeah Yeah. especially with certain characters that are definite eye candies I mean look (laughs) it is no secret that Ryan Murphy and I share a type because every dark haired blue eyed actor in Hollywood works on that show yep and it is A. Ryan Murphy please cast me B. thank you Thank you for your casting choices. See, you're welcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. so handsome. Um, so all of that is like, you know, obviously the whole, if anyone, has anyone not seen American Horror Story? If is you haven't, then seriously stop this episode yeah. and watch the first episode of season one, Murder House. So if anyone hasn't, uh, that's okay. I too have only seen certain episodes because other ones are too scary for me. Um <laughs> Know that, like, each season mm-hmm. is 
sort of like a repertory theater. They're playing, the, the same actors are playing many different characters and yeah. many different stories. So the house itself actually is in several of the seasons mm-hmm. throughout, but that the main story was in the first season, which was just called American Horror Story, but now colloquially is called Murder House because of the theme yeah. of the house is like rising up against the tenants. Um, but that is not the official title. Like that is just fans calling it that. Mm-hmm. And what's that Tammy mentioning fans? Oh, yes. So that <laughs> sort of transitions us um, into part one of the trouble for the family who currently owns the, oh, the mansion. Oh, yes. Yeah. So before I hit, um, we hit on mm-hmm. the story, I just want to, I wanted to learn more about super fans. Mm-hmm. I wanted to research this craze because that was a big question in my head. Okay, first, like, like, who did Who's this house? Mm-hmm. How did it come about? What made this house so famous besides its shows being filmed there? And there was a plethora of TV yes. shows and movies. But I wanted to know more about the fans and what drove them so crazy to the point where they were not only taking pictures in front of the house, mm-hmm. but they were breaking into the house. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear it in Doug's interview. If I had a dollar for every time I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I was just so like shocked with the stuff that he was telling me of like how far these fans went just to take a picture just to get onto the property yeah and i feel really bad for the couple yeah so today's super fans are everywhere they cheer far and fawn over sports teams and boy bands k-pop bands Mm -hmm. celebrities tv shows and comic books among other things but there are good reasons why humans tend to do this there is a good reason and according to will um, pearson and mangish um head of couture uh tackle this intriguing topic in an episode of the podcast part-time genius titled what it takes to be a super fan will and mango say most people are casual fans not super fans what's the difference a casual fan of for example game of thrones might spend you know a good seven hours binging on the show Mm. and the super fan might spend an additional 20 plus hours not only binge watching every freaking season season of the show but also listening to podcasts Mm -hmm. that dissect each episode of the show going as far as traveling to the locations of the show now what makes some people so obsessed first self presentation says well for instance wearing certain clothes at dragon con Conventions, painting your face on game day, or consuming certain media. These conscious choices send a message about the kind of people we are or want to be or strive Mm. to be. But is the signal mainly for ourselves or for the people around us? A study by psychotherapist Teresa Stern concluded that a community of fans provides a comfortable space for people to come to grips with their identities Mm -hmm. without being judged. This can also help them to build their own self-esteem. We all want that sense of belonging, says Mango, and fandom just seems like one way of doing that. But when does being a super fan go too far? And according to the new homeowners of the Rosenheim Mansion, there are quite a few that have gone way beyond the Mm -hmm. limits. They found this out the hard way, just barely a month moving in, that they not only purchased a mansion, but they purchased the American Horror Story Murder House. So this couple moves in in 2015. Mm -hmm. They buy it from the last owners that I mentioned right over here, which was John Gaucho Mm -hmm. and Greta Von Steinbauer. Mm -hmm. 
and they purchased the house i want to say for three million or 3.2 million Mm -hmm. and they bought this house in 2015 mind you that um dr ernst r von schwartz and angela oakenfold this is the current couple Mm -hmm. they had no idea of the fandom that was attached to the mansion Mm -hmm. they had no idea they never seen you know American Horror Story, which I'm kind of baffled. Sure. I'm sure they're like one of those people that like watches like Downton Abbey or maybe like Roadside Antique Show. Yeah. Is that the name of the show, Roadside Antiquing? Antiques Roadshow? Yeah, Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I feel like they're the type of couple that watches that. I like, love that show. Yeah, I'm all about that vintage, you know, you know, mahogany rich, you know, bookies. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe even if they had like ever heard of it, I don't know. Like, how could you explain to somebody? Right. This is like an important house to a show. Like, what? Like, well, what the see, hell are you talking about? That is, re- that is it right there. They're suing the brokers and the sellers because they didn't disclose that mm-hmm. when they purchased it. They didn't disclose the fact that the house was used in this very famous show, this very popular show. Mm-hmm. And they also didn't disclose other things that we're going to listen to in Doug Vanderpool's interview. Mm-hmm. So for some of you guys who are out of the loop with what's going on, they're currently right now um, in a lawsuit against the estate, claiming they did not disclose um, that this mansion was used in TV series and the lawsuit which names the real estate agent and the broker for the sale of the Greta von Steinbauer estate is claiming breach of contract and fraudulent concealment and an amount of damages up to $3 million. Mm. Filed in Superior Court of uh, California on February 7th, the lawsuit claims unbeknownst to the plaintiffs and not disclosed by defendants, um, hundreds of fans of the TV show would come to the property, trespass, attempt to break in, and create a, a significant nuisance not only for the seller, but for the neighbors as well. The, uh, additionally, the lawsuit claims that the plaintiffs didn't disclose structural issues yeah. with the estate, saying the property has significant leaks, water intrusion, and even mold, which is a bitch to get out. Yeah, Jesus. Especially for that large house. So, guys, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of this story and this lawsuit and the ghost, we're going to jump into the paranormal aftermath because I had the opportunity to speak with Doug. Thank you, Kim. And it was just such an an amazing interview with him. He was just so awesome and just willing to answer any questions Mm -hmm. that I had. So here is our interview with Doug Vanderpool, guys. Hi, Doug. Hello, it's me, Tammy, from Hollywood Paranormal. Hello, Tammy, from Hollywood Paranormal. <laughs> oh, my God, this is so amazing. I can't believe I'm speaking with you. Oh, um, for, well, one, for one thing, uh, you and Kim are hashtag goals, hashtag adorable. Uh, I saw your pictures on Facebook. Bryce and I were obsessing over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love New Orleans, I tell you. New Orleans, New Egypt, Orleans? camels, yes. <laughs> We get around. She likes to travel. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little traveling here and there. Hither and thither. We got the kids out the door now. We get that much. That's exactly what my parents did when me and my sisters moved out as well. So props to you guys yep. for sure. So I guess let's just jump into it. This is so exciting. So you are still working on this case, the American Horror Story Murder House case, right? Oh, yeah. Still going on, yeah. We've got uh, we had a trial date uh, that was coming up pretty quickly, and then the uh, defendants went in, got another set of attorneys, and uh, got the trial date continued out to November, I believe. So 
my gosh. Yeah, that's a good case. I mean, you know, they, they poo-poo it, but uh, it's, you know, it, it, once you dig into the kind of uh, danger and damage that these really super upset fans can cause, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's not just an annoyance. It, it, can, be, it can be dangerous. So let's start from here. Um, let's start with your law office. So you have your own law office. It's called Doug Vanderpool uh, Law Offices. And you uh, you specialize not only in personal injuries, real estate disputes and litigation, but you also like handle just like, you know, you just dabble everywhere around. Is that correct? If a problem comes in, we try and solve it. it you know, generally representing businesses and individuals, Somebody come and sit in a chair, and they and they, you know, they say, "Here's my problem. Can you solve it?" So that's kind of the way I look at, you know, my practice and you know my life. I like, like to think I'm a problem solver. If I can't handle it, it's something like I don't do criminal law. I don't do several different areas of law. It's just those are areas where you really have to focus. Um, I will refer them out to somebody who I think is an expert. Like for example, if I got charged with a crime, I would. I have three different attorneys I would call. That's who I would refer out cases to. But everything else, we think we can handle it here. You know, it's the gamut. <laughs> well, it seems like you guys are doing such a great job. And you, from what I've researched, you have a slew of accolades online. And you've held and handled, like, a lot of major cases in the past as well. Is this one of your biggest cases? Or uh, kind of like, you know, just a walk, you know, a walk in the park for you? <laughs> Well, this one is very interesting. It isn't your, you know, normal uh, client calls me up and says, hey, this vendor screwed me, go sue them. You know, that's, that's your typical day-to-day stuff. Or, or, hey, this vendor screwed me over, I'm not paying him. It's usually chasing money or, or somebody's trying to get money they're not entitled to. But, yeah, this is, this is a sexy case. Uh, it helps the fact that Kim is a big fan of the show. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's, it's just, it's one of the more interesting cases. I wouldn't say in terms of, it's the biggest case. I, I know what our ask is going to be. Um, so, it, but it's, it's a seven-figure case, easily, very easily. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. So let's let's start from the very beginning. You're um, in your law office. You're doing law office things. You're doing, you know, your lawyer things. And how were you contacted? How did you get involved with the case? Um, I'm looking at my notes, it's, this case came up, like, in 2018, it's been going on for a year, right? Yeah, so what happened was, um, I, I belong to an organization out here in Orange County called the Orange County Trial Lawyers, and it's, it's basically a plaintiff's, uh, attorney organization, so a lot of guys doing personal injury or plaintiff employment stuff, it's a plaintiff's, um, uh, organization. Since I do a, a lot of that kind of work, I join it and I'm actually on the board of directors and the executive committee. But long story short, a friend of mine in the organization is friends with Dr. Ernst and Angela and had represented him in a couple little things. But when this case came up, he doesn't really concentrate in real estate law and real estate litigation, which is really my bread and butter. So he referred it over to me and that's why I met the Dr. Ernst and Angela. Oh, I see. So it's just like, uh, you know, just six degrees of separation right there. And they, they purchased the house in 2000 and what? I think it was 2016 or 2017, I believe. I believe it was 2015. Hold on. Let me check my notes real fast. I think it was. Let me see here. Da, 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 da. 
3.2, million. Mm-hmm. Um, and they moved in, and the very next day, they're sitting in the living room, and someone was banging on their window saying, hey, can I come in the house? I want to see the house. Oh, my God. It, it just started from there. Oh, they're my like, what God. What the hell is this? Well, now that you jumped onto the subject of um, what they were going through, can you walk us through... Um, I guess some of their complaints and uh, I guess their grievances with this house so far. Sure. So here's, here's what's unique about this particular show and the fans. So, I mean, the house is historic. Right. It's been used in hundreds of different TV shows and movies, all the way back to John Wayne. I mean, this house has been featured in a lot of movies, but you don't get this type of fan. It's the same kind of fans you'll get from that ghost uh Ghost, not Ghostbusters, it's a... Ghost Adventures. One of those. <laughs> ghost type of shows. So, the, you know, you get people who truly believe in the, in the paranormal and ghosts, and, and they're uh, a little bit more, I'm trying to be politically correct here, <laughs> uh, obsessive about the subject matter. Right. So, uh, this isn't the first house to have this kind of a problem. Um, we've got an expert who who is an expert and they um these kind of uh, houses they're um they, they call it stigmatized so there's a, a good example i don't know if you've followed uh, breaking bad oh, and that yes. was um out but his house there was a there was a uh a, an episode where someone went by and threw a pizza on the roof do you, do you remember that episode I re- yes yes i remember that episode and i read an article about that that fans were yeah. now throwing pieces and slices of pizza onto the homeowner's roof, and it got pretty Every bad. Every single day. Oh, no. Every single day. Oh, my so God. So that house is now stigmatized. And so the law in California, in fact, most of the country, is when you sell a property, you have to disclose everything about the property. It's not buyer beware. It's seller. you got to tell the buyer everything that you know, potentially affect the decision of purchase. So now the owner of that property, the Breaking Bad property, has to disclose to any buyer that, hey, you're going to have pizza thrown on your roof practically every day. Now that's going to lower the purchase price, isn't it? Correct. It's going to diminish the value. Now there are properties like that across the country, but the most um, comparable property in the United States that we found is a house in Las Vegas, and I believe it's actually called the Murder House. You can Google it. There's videos. Um, our expert, in, in our case, was the expert in that case. So that house was a mob house, and allegedly there was a room where they would uh, make the guys. You know, you come in, and now you're a made man, and then the next room is where they would murder people. Oh. And so that that house was focused, it was the focus of one of those ghost hunter shows, and once it became known, well, people started breaking in and having seances and vandalizing and, and doing all sorts of weird shit, like almost burning the place to the ground at one point. Oh my so God. the property was, yeah, so these are dangerous people. The expert said he had a gun when he went in the house because oh. he thought there was, you know, squatters in there. Okay. So that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with. I mean, there's, again, there's, you know, all the famous houses you can think of, the Amityville Horror House, and mm-hmm. any, any house that's been sort of featured, you know, as almost the star of any, you know, one of these um, paranormal movies or TV shows, is going to have some obsessive fans, people who want to either just stop by and take a picture, which is innocuous. That's typical, all the way to 
I'm breaking in, I'm stealing shit, I have to go inside, I want to see a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that leads us up to the, to the Rosenheim mansion of my client. So when, when American Horror Story Murder House first aired, and I believe it was 2011, I can, yeah, I think it was 2011, almost immediately fans of the show started to show up on the property. Now, how do we know this? Well, Instagram. We've got Instagram reports for practically the week after the show first aired of somebody standing on the front porch. So the prior the prior owner was a, a, a lady named Greta von Steinbauer. She purchased the property many, many years ago. Um, she was an older lady, and she had a companion named John Gauthier, and they lived there. Um, and we've got thousands of Instagram and other social media posting showing that as soon as the show aired, that the house was just inundated. He had to buy a gun, they put signs up, there's people get chased off, so the stand issue was a huge problem. It was known. They knew it. So when my clients made the offer on the house, neither the real estate agent, who also knew about the fans, nor the sellers disclosed this issue. My clients definitely wouldn't have bought the property if they knew it was inundated by these crazy fans every day mm-hmm. and it is every day and I don't know if you've seen some of the news reports that uh, for example we were on Good Morning America when the case was first filed and you can see video of a, of a trash truck driver who these three girls talked to, into lifting lifting them up in his trash bin in the trash truck oh my god <laughs> yeah there's plenty of video out there that you can see I have to, I have so, to find that video yes I, I can send you the link if you want to give me your um, email later. Oh, for sure. We'll um, share details, yeah, info and everything later. <laughs> that is right. insane. That is, that, oh my God, the level of crazy right there. It, it's, it's, it's a different level. I mean, people showing up on the street, you know, I mean, Hollywood tours of famous houses have been going on forever, but it's generally, you know, you pull up in front of the house, you take a picture, and you move on to the next one. The, these fans take it a step further, although a lot of them are very respectful. They just take the pictures. There are a certain um, number of them that are super obsessed with getting onto and into the property. And they, I mean, my clients put up no trespassing and keep out signs, and they stole them. Oh, they, want a, they want a piece of brick off of the facade. It, they, the hedge was set on fire last month. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, it's my crazy. gosh. Uh, yeah, there's it, also, it, like, break-ins. Yeah, break-ins. I, that's what I read, too, last year, that someone broke into their house through the kitchen. And that's when yeah. they were like, okay, we got, we, this has to stop. We need to seek some sort of action. We need to well, it, it, guns. it probably won't stop until, you know, the show is... Over, unfortunately, it's entering the ninth season, so it's, it's you know we're, this is something they're going to have to deal with. Um, and then here's another problem: is the city of Los Angeles. This is a historic neighborhood, and the house itself is a historic landmark. Right. So there's really strict requirements that the city has to um, maintain, you know, its, its appearances. So my clients. You know, when they moved in, there was no fence. So you could, anybody could just walk right up to the front door. So my clients put up a chain link fence. Um, that didn't keep people out. They put up barbed wire, and the city said, take that down. In fact, the city says, take down all fencing. We're going to allow four-foot kind of nice little, you know, scenic fence. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to stop anybody. No. <laughs> so we're in a fight on top of everything else. We're in a fight with the city of Los Angeles about fencing. <laughs> Oh, God. It's just, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I mean, they they only live 
they're part time now just because it is, you know, it's they have a little baby and they just don't feel safe anymore in the house. Oh no. Now, I know in certain counties, like if you live in an historic building, such as, for example, from what I heard, Glendale, I heard that if a house is, you know, deemed historic and someone wants to go in and tour it, that they can ask permission, um, like, from the owner to go inside their, you know, their personal home, their historic home to tour it. Um, is that the case here in L.A. County as well, or it's just completely different? Where There's no right to tour the house. Nobody... I mean, it's a private property. Um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming you could you could open it up. And the house is, it is being monetized. They're not just sitting there on their hands doing nothing. They've, you know, they've leased it out, I think, at least seven or eight times for different TV shows, including, uh, I think, two seasons ago, American Horror Story went back and kind of did a, a flashback to season one. They somehow tied it in. Yes, the last season, yeah, they, they approached us and said, can we film there? And, you know, our initial instincts were no. I mean, we, the last thing we need is, is more fans. But American Horror Stories producer said, we're going to use the exterior shots no matter what. And we'll just build sets. So you can either get paid. Either way, your house is going to be featured. And so they, they huddled up. We thought about it and said, look, there's really nothing we can do. We might as well, you know, get paid and, you know, sort of mitigate our damages. So they, they did allow that. And, you know, from time to time, it'll be used for a video shoot or a TV show. Right. Um, so walk us through some of the other complaints. Now, it seems like the owners are not only complaining about their corporeal nuisances, but it seems like there's something else, I guess, otherworldly that is you know creating some disturbances within the house and it's not just the living but it seems like to be the dead according to your wife kim um, from what she told me they're experiencing hauntings is that correct that is correct so there's definitely there's a dispute within you know we, we sued the sellers we sued greta's estate and greta has passed away so we'll never get her testimony. But we've got other people who will testify that Greta clearly knew the house was haunted. They were not, uh, you know, mean or, or evil spirits. I think one is a butler that they see going up and down the stairs. And I think there's a little girl. But the center of the paranormal activity seems to be the basement, which I've been in twice. And it, it's pretty creepy down there. Um but again, the, the fact that the house is considered to be haunted was not disclosed, and that's the problem. So the, Greta's uh, companion is John Gaucher, or I've been calling him Gotcha, G-O-C-H-A. <laughs> now that guy, he, you can Google him on the internet, he clearly thought the house was haunted. We've got emails from him where he describes specifically, you know, experiences he had in the house, and he, he's got some crazy stories to tell. Um... So, again, none of this was disclosed to my clients, but they were asleep the first night they slept there. They thought someone had broken in because they were hearing footsteps right outside in the hallway, and they opened up the door, and there's no one there. And so they started to ask around, and sure enough, they found out that the house is reportedly haunted. And they've, they've experienced this, little things like that, you know, hearing footsteps, um, seeing some, just some vague apparitions, stuff like that. But the funny thing is they... When they moved in, they had, like, direct TV or the cable company. Somebody came to do some work in the basement. I think the electrician and a TV guy were down there. Mm -hmm. And within five minutes, both, both these studly contractors came running up the stairs. 
upstairs and said, we're not working down there anymore. <gasps> Bye. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is the, I mean, what is the rule or are there any laws that state that not only are you supposed to, you know, disclose information if someone dies in, in you know, in a home or house, but what is the, what are sellers required to disclose in terms of, you know, if, if the property is haunted? Are there any California state laws that require sellers to disclose that information or, or not? There's a good case out of New York. Uh, it, it, so every state's different. Um, in New York, there is a case right on point that says if you if you have uh, information that a house is haunted, or indeed if you've been advertising that the house is haunted, you better disclose it. You have to. California, there is no specific case on that point, but the rule is you have to disclose anything material. Now, this is where people start rolling their eyes. Oh, you know, uh, there's no such thing as ghosts and haunt bullshit. But you know, if, I mean, you're from New Orleans. We walk around New Orleans and we see. Yep. Real estate signs advertising that either it's haunted, house and haunted, exactly. or house. We saw one that says house not haunted. This <laughs> last time we were there. Yeah. <laughs> so again, this this is more of the sexier part of the story, clearly. But I don't think the monetary value is there because you know my expert's not going to go. Well, you know, here's a haunted house because you know it's, you either believe it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can, I can clearly monetize the value of a hundred fans coming on my property every day. That's real, and I can catch on camera, and you know we can compare it to what other homes have if they've been stigmatized. Um, mm-hmm. What the, the diminution of value is. So we're we're still making the claim. I'm not sure I'm going to pursue it at trial. Uh, I haven't made up my mind yet, but it's, it's it, it, it is in reality it's something that my clients are experiencing. Right. And I think we would have to disclose it if we sold the house. Now, would that sort of make the value go up to a certain class of buyer? Maybe. But it looks like uh, Greta and um, well, the prior owners, it looks like they had some pie-in-the-sky ideas of what the house was worth after American Horror Story mm-hmm. uh, first aired. They thought that they could appeal to somebody who was a big fan of the show and thought they might come in and buy a haunted house. I mean, they were asking $7 million, $15 million. They were asking some really oh, ridiculous wow. numbers. And no one bought I mean, this house was put on the market 20 times and no one bought it. Mm-hmm. Until my clients bought it. Until you, they now, bought it. <laughs> now they kind of regret it. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, what do you uh, see, you know, with the future of this lawsuit? Do you feel like they are going to win this case or... Um, you think that they are going to put up a really, really good fight? What do you think? Well, Coldwell Bank, so we settled with the seller's estate. So Greta, you know, she passed uh, a couple years ago. In fact, the interesting thing is Dr. Ernst was her doctor for a while, so he knew her. Mm-hmm. Um, the estate had minimal assets and no insurance, so we settled oh. with them a couple months ago for, it's confidential, but it wasn't, a seven-figure number, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely looking for seven figures plus from Coldwell Banker. So just one aspect alone, just the fans alone, uh, diminishes 
is a property value of $1.25 million. That's, oh, that's what our comparables are. So that's a solid number, and I'm very, very bullish on, on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got some non-disclosure items um, about the condition of the property itself. So it's a Mills Act uh, property, which means it's a historical property, but along with mm-hmm. that comes certain requirements that you do repairs. Now, Greta signed a contract with the city of Los Angeles many moons ago saying she was going to do all these repairs. And in exchange, she got these fantastic tax breaks. In reality, she didn't do any of the repairs. Um, We were provided a bunch of uh, reports that a prior uh, potential buyer had prepared, Mm -hmm. um, just handed over. But there's a lot of stuff that was missing in those gaps. So it's a little bit more of a complicated issue in terms of trying the case to, to show. But we've... We're now stuck with a repair bill on this house of about $1.5 million. So, you know, you put the fans together along with this new repair bill, you're looking at a $3 million claim. Oh, you know? my God. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on it. Mm-hmm. It states here that under the Mills Act, like, the new owners have to, will have to pay, like, the ten or had to pay the $10,000 in property taxes compared to the fifty grand. Uh, or more that they would pay without the act if the if the home were to sell for a listing price of I guess three plus or four plus million, but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're still working with the city of Los Angeles on that. The city hasn't gone nuclear on us because I think they understand the position that my clients are in. But it, it's something that we're going to have to resolve. So hopefully we can get this lawsuit tried and get my clients some money. They can fix up the house, resolve the fence issue, and. Um, you know, maybe sell it. We just don't know what we're going to do. It's, it's, they're in a bad place right now. This is, Aww. you know, not, not a position I'd want any of my clients in. Of course. Well, it seems like they're going to they're gonna come out from in a positive angle. They're going to come out, you know, in a better light. I guess they have to see a little bit of the dark before they see a little bit of the light, in my opinion. But based on, right. <laughs> you know, based on our discussion, I, I feel like they have a pretty good case and they'll come out, you know, with what they deserve, of course. Well, I don't take cases to lose them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Doug, for speaking with us. Uh, Well, speaking to me, Bryce, my co-host, is currently working at his other job, far, far away from Hollywood. But uh, thank you so much. I I do have one question. Do you believe in the paranormal? Do you believe in ghosts? Well, I've seen a couple ghosts. (laughs) Okay, I have five more minutes. Please share. I always ask our interviewer, our our interviewees, um, to share their ghost stories. What is your first or your most memorable ghost story that you can share with the listeners? I was in New Orleans. Hell yes. Uh, at, <laughs> at the historic W, the one down in the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. And we had gone out to dinner and we were coming back down the hallway and I heard a loud bang, like as loud as day, right behind my head. And I turned around and looked and there was a gentleman standing there. As clear as day. It wasn't foggy or anything. There was a guy standing there and he was dressed. The best way I can describe it is like Colonel Sanders. That he had the goatee, he had the southern suit, and he looked at me and he winked and I turned back to Kim and I said, do you see that? And we both turned around and he was gone. <gasps> so that's, that's the most uh, clear one I've ever seen. I've seen Mostly in New Orleans, we've seen uh, a young lady come through the door, but more as a floating apparition, um, and come over to the side of the bed and sigh, and then leave, and that was in, 
I wish I could remember the name of that hotel. But there is a story. The story is that uh, there is a ghost on the property, and it was a woman who committed suicide off the roof as she was waiting for her lover. I can't quite remember what the story is, but I saw that one. Kim has seen a little girl in one of the other um, hotels there. Yeah, she told me about that one in um, her message. Uh, I think it was the Iberville or Iberville Suites, which is next to the Rich, uh, the Ritz Carlton. But yeah, she was right. she was like messaging us and telling us that she had a slew of ghost stories, especially from New Orleans. I would say that you guys are definitely, I guess, together. You guys attract all that energy, one hundred percent. It must be. I think the guy in the W, the, the one that made us leave the W, we didn't leave that first night. Um, the next day, we were walking down the stairs in the courtyard, and I had a small cigar in my mouth, and Kim saw it. It literally, it was as if someone grabbed the cigar and threw it. It just it flew down the stairs. It felt like someone tugged it out of my mouth. Um, so we checked out that day. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> You're like, I couldn't even enjoy a cigar in the hotel, so we're checking out. <laughs> someone was fucking with me. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Doug, for sharing. Oh, my God. You guys are so awesome. I could tell in your pictures, you guys are just one hell of a couple. Can you adopt me and Bryce and take us on, on these trips with you and Kim? Yes, please. Of course. Oh, yes, sure. Jo jo Perfect. Just get in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you once again, Doug. I re we really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and just, like, talking ghosts and talking law and talking about the American Horror Story murder house case. We really appreciate sure, it. Sure, if you got any other questions, give me a call, drop me an email. Oh, will do. Thank you so much. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Sexy case. Uh, I love it. When one door closes in the house and another one opens, that means your damn house is haunted. Gooped. I know. I wonder, like, you know, I could just see, like, in his law office, like, Lady Gaga from, you know, American Horror Story Hotel. Just yeah. Just working as the paralegal. Yeah. You know, I could She's just really totally getting into that. her role. I know. <laughs> mm, just doing research. I'm gonna marry the night. I love it. That's not really clear as I. Um, can we just start? Yes. With the most important part of this whole interaction. Uh-huh. How dare people waste pizza... By throwing it on the roof of the Breaking Bad house when they could be mailing it to me. How dare they? That is. Well, you know what, Bryce? <laughs> what you have in common with the fans of the American Horror mm -hmm. Story house is that they're lighting the front lawn on fire and yeah. you're just like, if it's haunted, burn it. Uh, real. Like, yeah. if it is haunted, it's got to go. <laughs> Up in flames. I don't care how much Tiffany glass there is. That's right. <laughs> Nothing is sacred. Um, the phenomena of super fandom yes. is so fascinating to me. But it, it, I don't necessarily understand where people's destructive tendencies get like rolled up into that. Um, I think about like the Joshua Tree vandalisms right. that have happened that will take like 400 oh, years God, yes. to recover i think about like all these super bloom pictures that i see mm -hmm. so many of my friends posting I'm like i like you as a person but you fucking idiot get off the flowers like people that i like people that i know people that are probably listening to this podcast if you think i'm talking about you i am <laughs> like if there's a picture of you on your instagram and you're sitting on a flower i think you're a fucking idiot <laughs> and it's the same thing like 
there's like a sort of cultural aspect, especially in the South, you know, talking about New Orleans, mm-hmm. and where you take a, a tour of a home, take a tour of a plantation. That's like a very cultural kind of thing. Yeah. But there's like a way to do that. I think the difference between someone like knocking on the door and being like, may I, can I tour your home? There is like cultural and like, as he was mentioning, like legal precedent for that. Yeah. If you are entering onto property, vandalizing, stealing, trying to break in, you're a sack of shit. Like, there is no two ways about it. I don't care how much you like the show. So, like, again, re my earlier rant. (laughs) Far be it from me to feel bad for, like, wealthy people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they actually are humans, and I'm mostly joking, and it's unacceptable. Like, you can't just break into these people's homes, and even if someone wasn't living there, if it was just, like, an unused film set, who the hell do you think you are? Like, the, those women in the dumpster being lifted up. Yeah, so we have that video, guys. Mm-hmm. We posted it on our Instagram, and it's not just them in the trash truck. It's this other video of this gentleman just climbing over the metal yeah. fence. He's yeah. acting like, I think he's posing as a dead body in front of the yeah. house. And then he's fucking listening to John Mayer on his iPhone and singing and just sitting on the, the front porch, just like he owns the damn place. Like... Does common decency just not exist? No, it doesn't. Because if you remember from our Ripple Without a Cause mm, episode, mm-hmm. The Curse, people were vandalizing James Dean, his like gravestone. They yeah. even stole his gravestone. If you go see Jim Morrison's, you know, memorial or his little, you know, gravesite in Paris, that's also like tagged up mm-hmm. and destroyed. And so on and so forth. It's just like when people are super fans, they just take it to another extreme. It's like they have to, they have to leave their mark on on someone or something to just as a self validation. Like I was here, and I, in some weird way, this is how I'm honoring it. You know, mm. which I just find so disturbing. Mm. That's why throughout the whole interview, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my I god, know. like oh my, I because I heard about okay, I heard about like okay, they were you know going on the front lawn. Um, I heard about the case of the break in through the kitchen. Jesus Christ. But when he was going in depth about the other things, the stealing of the trespassing signs, the breaking of the fence, I mean, this couple has a child. That has got to be scary, especially for, you know, Angela Oakenfold as a mom, like you are taking care of your infant, Mm. you know, you're going through your first six months and then you have to worry about people Right. Breaking into your house. Like, it's, that's. It's asking. And there's the statement of, like, well, we're going to film your house whether you like it or yeah. not is so gross. I mean, if you want to know what the movie industry is like in a nutshell, that's that, it. That's it, right that's there. That's it. What, you know, this is what Hollywood and money. It's a machine and it's you know, churning. Does. It's just churning through people. Mm-hmm. Like, you wonder why these, like, celebrities are burning out. You wonder why, like, Britney Spears is, like, back in rehab. And like Say a free, mental free institution. Free Britney. Free Britney. But like, do you want to know why it is? It's because of things like this where it's yeah. like, oh, it doesn't matter what you want. We're going to do whatever we want and you can make some money off of it. So like, I hope you feel okay with like low key pimping yourself out mm-hmm. or you can not get anything from it. So like the lesser of two evils and then these people have mental breakdowns. Like my like petty self is like, they should have fumigated the house and had it covered in tarps they should have fucked with production they should have 
planted trees to cover the entire facade of the house. Like, oh, yeah. fuck you. You don't get to tell me what I can and can't do with my house. Well, here's another thing that occurred, too, in 2014 before they purchased the house. The house, because of its fandom, was being used as an Airbnb for the first, I think, I think for eight months. Mm. The house was being rented out as an Airbnb. You could rent the house for 40 I think it was 4500 a night. Jesus. So if you and 20 other people wanted to like spend the night in this mansion, you just had to shell out $4,500 to spend the night in the mansion. And that went on for eight months, and people spent the money and spent the night in this mansion yeah. just to spend the night. And then they, they just totally took that off of Airbnb. They put it on the market, and they come in. Um, the new owners, they purchase it for three plus million. And then, you know, not only were they dealing with the fans, but they were also dealing with like the disrepairs and also the ghosts, the hauntings. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading an interview about them that at first they were, they were saying, oh, yeah, we were told that the house is haunted. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in ghosts. And then like they did a post interview. Yeah, there's shit going on. There's there's something here. So I went to dig and dig and dig about the paranormal aftermath and the cause of the paranormal aftermath yeah. with this mansion. And I couldn't come up for like with anything. I don't know Damn. what was the cause, especially with the basement. Was there a murder? Nothing. I went on like who died in my house? Nothing was attached to this house. Any drama with the people that lived in it or leased it? Well, we had an awesome listener who hit us up on the gram, of course. Love. And I'm going to pull up her information right over here. But um, she asked us if we needed help to, you know, research anything. I was like, can you help me figure out like the hauntings of this place? And here it is. I think it's uh, Jamie Mousen, uh, AKA Gandhi Lukes. So thank hey. you so much. So she reached out to me, asked for help. And I was like, uh, yeah, please help us because I, I just don't know where to begin mm-hmm. with this help, uh, with this mansion. So according to her, Edward Everett, the actor that leased yes. the house in the thirties, was a collector of weird and cursed items. Sure, you know, you gotta collect something. 1930s uh, antique roadshow right there. So anything haunted and weird and cursed, he went and bought it and maybe some of those things or some of those artifacts made their way into the house. Now, what occurred in the basement? And the basement, according to Doug, has a lot of energy. Mm. And I went and researched. I can't find anything in regards to the basement. But according to some psychics and other articles, they believe that there's a vortex in the basement. That psychics, whenever they come near the house, they go crazy. They're like, I just get me away. Like, take me far away from this house because this house is, is there's something off about this house. So I went online to first off try to contact John Gotcha or Gaucha. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories that he had written in regards to the house, when he was living there, he claims that he walks past the laundry room with the washer machine on. And he also claimed that he can hear people having conversations as clear as they, even though no one is in the room. So according to like John Gaucha and Greta von Steinberg, you know, according to them, there's no negative energy there. Um, in terms of the butler and the little girl spirit, there have been claims of, you know, the owners hearing a little girl giggle running mm. up and down the hallway. Um, they see an apparition of a butler going up and down the stairs. If you remember from our Greystone Mansion mm-hmm. episode, Steve, um, who was the groundskeeper, the head groundskeeper mm-hmm. of that mansion, saw his first apparition of a butler going down the staircase. Ugh. And it was probably most likely a residual haunting where, I mean, God... 
I would, I mean, I would love to have a butler because you would have a butler even in the afterlife because oh they're still God. working. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this guy is still working. He's going up and down the stairs, right. you know, bringing, you know, doing his duties or whatnot. Mm. I know. As for the little girl, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. That is a big, big mystery there, too. Maybe it's the energy manifesting into that energy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe mm-hmm. the cumulative, like, I mean, there's a lot that's being poured into this house in terms of, yes. like, fan energy, historical energy. Film energy. All we, of it. We spoke about this, too. We keep on bringing up our past episodes, but, you know, haunted theaters. Why are theaters haunted? Mm-hmm. Because at times, you know, we don't know what we carry. We don't know what, right. you know other powers or psychic powers we carry and those powers can manifest whenever we you know for example go on stage and act and you know kind of like express our fears our pains Mm. our excitement maybe that's what's going on in this house that it's absorbing all that energy from the acting and whatnot so who knows or even just like the land itself like where it's built on like who knows like any of those like just because there's not a specific incident yeah who knows what's manifesting based on Mm -hmm. our interference you know what I mean yeah once again we ruin everything (laughs) Um, I did find this other article pretty interesting and this was an interview with Evan Peters oh hey Evan thirsty So Evan Peters was asked about the house and how it was, you know, what it was like to be, you know, working in, you Mm. know, the Rosenheim mansion. So Evan Peters um, quotes, it's terrifying. It's a real house in L.A. that's old and creepy. And there's actually a chapel connected to it. The whole atmosphere there is really terrifying and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They built the inside of the house on the sound stages so you could go there and it looks pretty identical, which is true. How much do you shoot in the actual house? He was asked. Evan Peters replies, We were there for the whole pilot. Now just the exterior shots. We heard some noises and stuff shooting, but that's to be expected in a three-story house with an attic. It's just a creepy house. It's so terrifying with that wood everywhere. I would Mm. never, ever want to live in that house. Right. End quote. Yes. So he felt creepy vibes in that house. Poor Evan. I know. I would love to embrace him. Like, come over here. Give me a hug. I We saw him. <gasps> That's right. With Dr. Shiloh. Yes. We were having brunch with Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott Hi. from LA Not So Confidential. We had a Tinder date. so <laughs> It was so fun, but I was mean mugging. What's her name? The whole Emma time. Roberts. Emma Roberts. The I whole time. I have some stories. Yeah. Gotta love her. Yes. Free <laughs> Evan Peters. <laughs> Yes, they're still together, aren't they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they're still like engaged. I think they've been engaged for like a decade or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's crazy. Well. And he's hot, damn it. Well, and you know. Mm -hmm. I'll try and keep my rants to a minimum. (laughs) That's Hmm. another episode. We're going to lose all our viewers. Why (laughs) won't he stop? I can't. Well, guys, uh, this is our episode of the Rosenheim Mansion. Good. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you've heard any other stories tied to the house, not yes. just American horror story stories, but anything else that you can dig up. Much appreciated. I tried to contact John. Uh, gotcha. I've emailed him three times. And I was like, I'm sure he's just inundated, though. Yeah. I mean, I, was I get like, it. Come on, dude. Like, what's going on? But poke, poke. Um, once again, thank you so much to Kim and Doug yes, Vanderpool. Thank you so much. Please adopt us. Thank ha. you. <laughs> 
now we go into our spiritual bays of the week. Hey. Of course, this whole entire episode is dedicated to the Vanderbilts. I know. Mainly Obsessed. our queen, Kim, of course. Thank you so much, guys. I mean, it really means a lot that you did this for us. So thank you so, so much. I and know. thank you, Kim, for listening to our episodes. And let us know the next time you're going to New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, so I could bring Bryce because it will be his first time. I just want to eat every po' boy in the city. I just want to see your face when you have your first daiquiri. Oh, my gosh. Walking down the street, Hilarious. sipping on your daiquiri. It really is so sketchers. on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is what my truest Seeing self. Seeing your face as I'm telling you everywhere you're walking is haunted. Love it. Can't yeah, wait. even that gum on the floor is haunted. <laughs> a big thank you to our gal pal, Gandhi Lux, Jamie Mountson. Sorry if we butchered your name, but thank you so much for reaching out to us and helping us and researching. We really do appreciate it. And without you guys, we it's wouldn't so sweet. Thank be you. doing this episode. So thank you so much. If you love Hollywood Paranormal, guys, please don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Woo. If you um, want to get into communication with us or want to summon us, you can go on our <laughs> social medias. <laughs> you can throw a pizza on a roof. You can throw a pizza on Bryce's roof. Um, you just have to Google his, uh, his address. Oh, God. I know. Just make sure it's all cheese, cheese, and more cheese. Please. I already have a raccoon on my roof right now. If you add pizza to it. I... <laughs> what is going on with that? I'm sorry. We're going to have to cut Girl. this. If you follow Bryce on Instagram, you will not be bored. <laughs> Let's just say my white trash roots are really coming out. I'm like one pair of jean cutoff shorts away from being like a full Stop. on trailer park. What is going on? That's, um, that's the real horror right there. Yeah, there's a raccoon on our roof, that, and it is, like, rabid. I mean... No. It is, like, I woke up two nights ago at 3 o'clock, and it is just tearing at the shingles on our roof <gasps> and screaming, just like, wow. You're not, you haven't called animal control? Well, so control? that's the thing, is that, like, last week it happened and our landlord came and he was like well if it happens just try and like spray it with a hose oh thanks so then like <laughs> i go out there and it, it's honestly like terrifying and it's massive i saw it last night they're it's, huge it's big and i'm like i am There's not trying to get attacked by like a fucking raccoon and little fun fact the city of los angeles doesn't have animal control services any no longer. so it's like privatized which i have again <laughs> so many thoughts about uh, I don't believe in privatization, but sure. Um, so our landlord then, we called him again today because it happened last night around 10, so a little bit earlier. Um, and again, the same thing. And this time I could actually see it. So the first night I couldn't see it. I could just hear it. And it's just ripping, Hell ripping. No. And the second night, it was kind of in the roof between our car park and the actual roof. So there's like a space you can see. And I mean, it's just thrashing and screaming back and forth. Like, wow. I think every house has his horrors. I know. It's, every house yeah. has his horrors. So basically, our landlord came. Yeah, our landlord showed up today because I had I had called a company and I canceled it because he has set a trap. But he is pretty sure that there's like babies in the attic. And the problem is, is that once they're in your attic, it's a whole different ball game. Like oh, trying to get them out of damn. the nest. So, and, like, I'm not trying to kill a baby raccoon. Like, I mean, I grew up in the country, so I have. Like, we grew up shooting rodents. That's just the way it is, like, when you live on an abandoned farm. Yeah. So, like, it's funny because I'm pretty anti-gun, but I understand the need for them. Like, you can't have groundhogs and possums and raccoons, like, in your yard. 
you yeah. will get Lyme disease. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, we would shoot, and, like, we would shoot sparrows. Like, again, I'm not trying to, like, super politicize this, but it just, like, is so crazy because in the city, obviously, you can't do that. So my instinct is, like, well, just, like, kill it. Like, you can't. And I don't want to, but I... I don't want to pay for damages to a house that's not mine either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Our landlord's so chill. He's the greatest guy. Um, so we have, like, those humane, like, cube traps set, like, in the attic. So hopefully it'll catch. And then he'll be able to, like, take it and relocate oh, it. My but gosh. the problem is, is, like, if you catch the one and it has babies, it will be coming back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's like a little crawl space attic. It's not like we have all this space where we can, like, look around oh, to, like, get them out. So, you know, he's the landlord. So we're going to let him try and deal with it. And then if in, like, a couple days it's still going, I'm going to call this other company. Oh, no. But, yeah, if you follow me on Instagram and watch my story, it's, it's basically just me shirtless in my kitchen listening to a raccoon scream I for bloody that. murder. It is. Yeah. I was like, is your house haunted? Uh, <laughs> nope, just a raccoon. Just a raccoon. So much less cool. I know. Right. Well, if you want to summon us or like follow Bryce, yeah. at Smirking Assassin on Instagram right uh, there again. Hey. So if you guys want to summon us or contact us, we are always happy for that. You can stalk us on Instagram and Facebook at Hollywood Paranormal and Twitter at HWP Podcast. Have a story that you're dying to share, no pun intended. Hey. Then email us at hollywoodparanormal at gmail.com, which some of you guys have, yes. and we love we, we Celine Dion learn it. <laughs> I love it. I love reading your stories. I know, we love so stalking you on Facebook. We're like, okay, first and last name. We're gonna go on Facebook. I know, Who we is? don't have a lot of hobbies. No, we don't. <laughs> Catch up with their past episodes on Blueberry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Castbox, Player FM, and Spotify, guys. All right. So till next time, I believe our next episode might be our big one before our our hiatus because May is going to be my hell month. Yes. But I might be ninjaing another episode because it just so happened that OC Ghosts and Legends insane hit us up. Hi. Get this OC Ghosts and Legends, guys. Go listen to the po- uh, to the episode thirty seven. Listen to the amazing things that this paranormal team does. Mm. Conferred Manor or Mansion is the location that Ghost Adventures did in season 12. Mm. I believe is episode 30 something. Mm. But that is their place. They invited your girls to go and interview them and pretty much, yeah, do a, a live interview from that manor. Blurk. It is an intense place um there are tunnels so i will be skyping in from the in and out down the street <laughs> with my little animal These style burger <laughs> prohibition tunnels girl um that were once walked through by sea seagull oh that also that also and so so yeah there's a lot of haunted haunted tea there it's it's gonna be a great episode and we cannot wait to join them once again but it's so awesome to be invited by this group. i know it's so sweet and this is going to be an, an amazing event that they're going to do. So if you want more information on OC Ghosts and Legends, then go on www.ocghostsandlegends.com. OC Ghosts and Legends on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, guys. Till next time. If you want to find out what our next episode is going to be before our hiatus, then you're going to have to follow us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a trick. It's a trick, guys. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> but we will definitely be going back in time to the 80s. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, till next time, guys. Bryce, do you have, any, you have anything to say? 
Bye. Bye. Check your roof for a raccoon. Bye. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stay Holly weird, guys. <laughs>